Welcome to Blogs on Tape. Today's post is, Your Demon Lord Doesn't Need That Many Hit Dice, by Joseph Manola. From his blog, Against the Wicked City, at udan-adan.blogspot.com. Your Demon Lord Doesn't Need That Many Hit Dice. People talk a lot about how D&D characters have become more powerful in more recent editions, but power in D&D is relative. If you have twice as many hit points, but all the monsters do twice as much damage, then nothing has really changed except the size of a number on your character sheet. See also the entire history of World of Warcraft. So the real question is, more powerful when compared to what? If one compares the abilities of PCs with a range of monsters across the various D&D editions, it swiftly becomes apparent that, as usual, it's been the poor old humanoids who've been the biggest losers. In both basic and first edition AD&D, a single lowly goblin was very nearly the equal of a first level fighter in combat. But more modern PCs are expected to be able to scatter goblins, kobolds, skeletons, and similar low level foes like chaff, even at level 1. The mid level monsters have remained roughly stable. Some, like the various save or die monsters, or the level draining undead, have lost their scariest abilities. But the general assumption that a troll or an ogre should be a pretty tough fight for a low-level party has held pretty constant across editions. PCs have been big winners, going from fragile dungeon explorers to badass, tough-as-nails fantasy superheroes. But they haven't been the biggest winners. The biggest winners have been the high-level monsters. Remember Lolf, the spider goddess of the drow? When Sutherland and Gygax wrote Queen of the Demonweb Pits in 1980, their assumption was that she would be a tough but not impossible boss fight for a party of level 10 to 14 characters. How about Tiamat, mother goddess of all evil dragons? According to the AD&D first edition monster manual, she has AC0 and 128 hit points, although 80 of those are in her various heads. Doing 48 damage directly to her body will kill her outright. You don't even need a magical weapon to hit her. Orcus, 120 hit points. Asmodeus and Demogorgon, 199 and 200 hit points respectively. Yes, they're crazily powerful, and yes, they're quite capable of killing your PCs, but they still clearly exist on the same scale as trolls and giants and dinosaurs and high-level player characters. Tellingly, Asmodeus, the overlord of hell, capodi tutti capi of all the other archdevils and all-around second baddest dude in all the motiverse, is described as being physically stronger than any other devil but then we're immediately told what that actually means. He is as strong as a storm giant, i.e. strength 25. The single strongest devil in existence is stronger than your fighter, but he's not that much stronger. If, say, a party of 18th level PCs really went gunning for Demogorgon and managed to solve the obvious problems involved in getting to his hell realm and breaking into his throne room and so on, then they'd probably have a pretty good chance of taking him down. Now, as much as D&D PCs have been boosted over the years, their top-end foes, dragons, demons, demon lords, have been boosted even more. High-age category dragons, for example, have gone from a bit tougher than a giant to gigantic mega-monsters with completely surreal numbers of hit points. In AD&D 1st Edition, the maximum number of hit points for a regular goblin was 7, whereas in D&D 3.5 it had written to 9. But over the same time, the maximum HP for a red dragon of the largest size have risen from 88 to 880, meaning that the toughness of the dragon had increased roughly eight times as fast as that of the goblin. 
It's not a completely fair comparison because the first edition rules for dragons meant their maximum HP was also their average HP. But even an average maximum age red dragon has 660 HP in 3ND 3.5. The demon lords are now meant to be capable of taking on whole parties of level 25 plus PCs. Even though those PCs are vastly more powerful than their same level equivalents would have been back in the day. I think Asmodeus and Demogorgon may have transcended stats entirely. Early D&D presents a universe with a relatively flat power distribution, in which something like a Night Hag or a Fire Giant or a ninth level PC is already about halfway up the scale. Modern D&D puts them all way down on the foothills, staring wistfully up at the mountain above while Orcus sips cold drinks with a great worm dragon somewhere near the summit. The thing that got me thinking about all this was reading a list of Pathfinder's demon lords and thinking how much more useful they'd be if only they were a bit, well, smaller. A demonic sadist with the head of a dove who eats the eyes of his victims, makes minions made from their flayed corpses, and lives in a house in which every room contains some new tableau of the macabre? That's great! Stick him in his horrible skinless minions and his creepy horrible house in a hex somewhere right away. But wait, he's challenge rating 26, meaning only a party of level 25 plus characters would have a decent chance of beating him and his house is an entire dimension. Boring. How am I supposed to use that? Yes, you could send the PCs in to rescue someone or something and get out before he catches them, but once you've done one escape from hell scenario, you've done them all. A demonic princess who looks like an angel who has been dismembered and then stitched back together with copper wire, her eyes and mouth sewn shut, presides over a ruinous city of profane churches and drives its fallen priests to suicide. Awesome! Except she's a god-level enemy and her city is a layer of hell. Boring. A city you can save. Or at least save parts of. Haunted by a demon you can fight, or at least evade. That's something you can get a decent game out of. An urban hell realm ruled by a demon goddess is just another abstract bit of spiritual real estate floating around the abyss somewhere. Why should your PCs care about something which is so manifestly beyond their power to meaningfully affect? In the original Conan stories, the hero can't seem to manage a half-hour's walk without tripping over some benighted valley full of crazy demon worshippers revering a monster god from before time. These stories almost always end with Conan stabbing the beastie to death and wandering off. That's not because Conan is a super-duper high-level mega-ultra-badass fantasy hero. It's because the demonic god-monsters of his world just aren't all that tough. Early D&D reflected that sensibility, and I think it was stronger for it, because it makes the resulting monsters, dragons, demons, archdevils, and the rest, so much easier to use in actual play. There is a place in games for enormously, unbeatably powerful monsters, but it's quite a small place, and you're unlikely to need very many of them in any one campaign. The further removed they are from human-scale action, the less likely they are to be useful in stories which are, ultimately, always going to be about human beings. Or almost human beings, at any rate. So before you give this super awesome demon you just came up with a thousand hit points and nine different kinds of get-out-of-death-free cards and seven layers of the Abyss's personal fiefdom, just pause for a moment to reflect whether he wouldn't actually be more useful to you as a seriously scary but far from invincible demonic patron of a single horrible city someplace instead. That was Your Demon Lord Doesn't Need That Many Hit Dice, written by Joseph Minola, 
from his blog, Against the Wicked City, read by Timothy Weston. Blogs on Tape is a project that works with bloggers to make the hobby more accessible through audio recordings. It is a community-funded project which you can help by donating at ko-fi.com slash blogsontape. And thank you very much for listening.